Well, hello, I'm Dr. Shante Haynes with Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, and it truly is my pleasure to bring you an encouraging message. Today, we're going to talk about my trust can wait, and I'm wondering if yours can. So before we jump into that, let's bow and go before the throne. Most gracious and heavenly Father, God, we do thank you. We bless you. We honor you for yet another day, yet another opportunity. God, you have been so good to us, and because of that, Lord, we come asking for your word. We come seeking your wisdom. We come waiting on you to pour into us what we can't pour into ourselves. Thank you, Father, for providing so much here that there is encouragement waiting on us, that there is a, a great plan that is waiting on us, that there is something that we are yet yearning for that is waiting on us because you have already provided. Thank you for what you're going to do. I ask now that you speak through me God, so that others will hear and see and sense and know who you are in a better light. I, I pray, God, that deliverance will come. I pray, Father, that you will release us from ourselves and will allow us to walk in the abundance of which you have already called us. God, I bless you that today is going to be a different day. It's a turning point. It's a change. It's getting ready to come and it's already here. So God, speak your word. Show us in your word what it is that you would have for us to know and us to do so that we can then not only be forever changed, but we will change the world, turn it upside down. In Jesus' wonderful name, we do pray and give you thanks. Amen. Well, we are in the Kingdom Principles for Life series, and this is part six. We have talked about the fact that there are some specific principles. There's some things that are going to get us, some systems, some processes, some thought processes that we need to have that are going to get us to success. And we also talk about the fact that we recognize the fact that the Bible is our inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God and God's word, God's wisdom is what's going to get us there. So we've looked at several different things about honoring people and treating them the way that they should be treated. We talked about praise. We talked about a lot of things thus far. And today, the topic that we're going to deal with is her trusting. And it's talking about the plans that are there for us. So I want to just say that this is part six, and I'm going to title it God's plans for you are good. God's plans for you are good. And ultimately, though, we have to say my trust can wait. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 29 of the familiar passage of scripture. And I'm going to read verse 11, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And I'm reading it from the Holman Christian Standard Version. And, you know, I know you know it from the King James and you probably can memorize it from there. But uh, I like to go to different translations um, just to make sure, just to bring out a sense of what else is there. I will go to the Strong's Concordance and look it up for you. You know me, the teacher in me is going to do that. But let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. And the Bible records for us. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. It's is that God has a good plan for you. He has a good plan for me. It's a great plan, actually. It's a magnificent plan. It's an awesome plan. It's a perfect plan. So if that is the case, and that is the premise, we ought to trust him. We should trust him. That means that if he says yes, 
Because every time we ask for something, we really want to hear a yes. What we're saying is, God, we need you to co-sign on what we're going to be doing, what we're asking you for. We just want it to be done. You know, like a kid on Christmas morning, hey, I got my list that I sent in saying, this is what I want. And I'm expecting that everything that I've asked for is going to be given to me. If he says yes, and he says for me right now, then I ought to walk through the double doors of opportunity that's waiting for me. But in many instances, sometimes when we get a yes, we don't quite run to the battlefield. Why? Because sometimes there's that imposter syndrome. Oh, well, you open the door. My God, you open in the door. Can I really walk through? Is it really about me? Or we try to imitate somebody else instead of being our authentic selves. And he says, I opened it for you. So my thought for you today on this one, you don't want to waste an opportunity. If we know that God's plans for us are for good and he gives us a yes, don't waste it, that opportunity. But sometimes he says no. Hmm. Sometimes he does say no. And if we know the plans that he has for us, if we intuitively perceive and it's illuminated in our hearts that his plans for us are for good and not for evil, then we recognize that if he gives me a no, that there's something better to come. That's what we should say. We need to learn the lesson in the no. And many times we get so disappointed, we get so discouraged, we get so distraught, we even get depressed sometimes. I cannot get a witness that we say, I can't believe this is happening to me. And you're telling me no. I will tell you, and, you, and those of you who know my situation, know my circumstance, know that there was a time for over years, about three years or so, that I prayed that my um, marriage would not end because I was looking at the word, God, you hate divorce. God, you don't want this. And this doesn't make any sense. It's been so many years. And I prayed for that, but I still got to know. No, I'm not going to heal the relationship. Not a, No, I'm not going to restore it. But what we have to recognize is when we get a no, that those detours do turn into destinations and sometimes greater destinations than most times, the right destination for us. And so we might not see it clearly. We can see to the hill, but we can't see around it. We can't see over it. We can't see through it. We There's a hard stop of our knowledge because we are finite, but God is infinite and he sees all. He knows the beginning. He knows the ending. He knows it all in between. We are somewhere on a point from point A to point B, and we think that our direct route is what we're asking for. And he takes us around he detours us in many instances. So what we do when we get a no is we have to hold fast to our confession. I trust you, Lord. And I know that if you're telling me no, that there's a good reason here. If you're delaying it, and that's another one. If he says not yet, then my response should be to grow. I have to develop what is missing. I have to make sure that the skill that I need in order to get to that next level or to get to that desired outcome it's going to be there. And I truly need to ask him for wisdom. And he promises me in James that if I ask for it, he will give it to me liberally. He will not hold it back from me. So I have responses. But see, here's the difference. We know that growing is hard. We know that getting a, a no is hard. We know that waiting does require patience. And we know that it, it's something that we have to develop. But here's what I'm going to say to you in the comparison here. 
if I'm waiting in line to get an answer, let's say a diarrhea situation, my daughter is dying and I need you to come quickly, Jesus. But there's a woman that interrupts on the way. That waiting is hard. And I don't want to grow. I don't want to wait. I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want you to take care of somebody else's situation. I want you to take care of mine. And I want you to take care of it right now. And patience for me is difficult. That waiting in line versus waiting for, say, a cake to come out of the oven. Both of them require patience. But one with the cake, we know that we can smell it. We know what ingredients were put in it. We have an anticipation or an expectation that it's going to be great. Where is that other one? We're unsure. And that's where our trust comes in. Know that God has a great plan for you, just like he has a great plan for me. And we have to trust him in the process. So yes, there's some requirements. When we get a yes, we run through the double doors of opportunity. When we get a no, we say, oh God, you got something better. When we get a not yet, we learn to grow. See, he says, I know, and I'm going to break this down for you. I know God knows we don't. He has the GPS. I don't know about you, but I turn on my GPS all the time in my car, even if I know where I'm going in many instances, because I want to see that ETA, that expected time of arrival. I also want to see if there is some backlogs or some backups on the road. I want to see if there's a detour that is necessary, if there's some construction or what have you, or even, even for those of us who like have a need for speed, even if there are some law enforcement, some cops that are waiting and some some speed traps that are there. I want to know those things. I hope you want to know too. Um, save us some money. But that GPS is the world system and getting us from point A to point B. Now, I love it from a, uh, one standpoint of knowing some things because it knows some things, but we have to remember that the world system, that GPS system requires that maps are uploaded and it's updated on a regular basis and so that it can then help us because as roads are being built, it needs to record those. As construction is happening, it needs to record that. Now, sometimes it does ask you, hey, is this accident now cleared? And you get to respond and some people respond and some people don't. But in any event, it is a world system of getting you from point A to point B. You're trying to get to a specific destination. Well, GPS is really God's positioning system and it doesn't operate on the way the world does. Thank the Lord it doesn't. It operates on what God has for you. So let me just say this to you. And as I was reading this in the Hallman Christian Standard Version, um, we like this particular passage. We quote this passage all the time and we quote it from a standpoint of, oh yes, I'll go get mine. Oh yes, God's got a great plan for me and he really does. But we have to recognize that this was placed in context. This context is in the place of um, hopelessness for the people. Um, as, and I'm gonna, I wanted to read this one for you. Uh, the Lord gave the people an oracle, which for a change was positive, yet not immediately gratifying. Notice they had to wait for it to come. Although this celebrated passage is widely beloved, few realize that this hopeful message is set in a context of hopelessness. 
the one responsible for Judah's punishment and rejection was also responsible for Judah's eventual restoration in the midst of self-inflicted desire. Notice I said self-inflicted desire. God promised a future and a hope. Whereas most recently, God had turned his back on his people. God forbidding Jeremiah to intercede for them. God has turned his back on his people and forbid Jeremiah to intercede for them. In the future, God is going to listen to them. And he says, I got some great plans. They're coming. They're in the works. They're not done yet. And I, I mentioned to many of you that I am building right now. It's not done yet. There's some plans. There, there's something on paper that says this is what the landscaping is going to look like. You don't see it just yet. It's not actually put in the ground. It's not actually flourishing, but it's coming. It's coming. So here's what I wanted to identify for you um, from the fact that it is hopeful. And yes, we want to look at specifically what he's talking about. And I want to break it down to you. He knows, he understands, he sees ahead, he sees all the way through. He knows the end before the beginning. God knows better than we do. So we ought to trust him. But let me break down for you. He says, um, this is from the Holman Christian Standard. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, uh, plans for your welfare, for your good, it says, or for peace, it says in the King James, and then for you to prosper, it says also in the NIV. And what it is, is the word shalom. And we know that shalom peace, that welfare, that freedom from disturbance or turbulence or allowing us to have some tranquility. Prospering says that I'm going to have some success. It's a state of health. It's a state of deliverance. And we all want all of that. He says, I've got these great things for you, peace and prosperity and your welfare. In other words, you're going to thrive. You're going to thrive. He says, but it's not for disaster. Now, I'm going to give you the opposite of that. It's not for evil. Um, I'm doing it good. It's not evil. I'm going to compare my, my thoughts, my plans for you are better than you could ever imagine, but it's not for disaster. It's not evil. It's not wickedness. It's not depravity. I don't want you to have the misfortune. And I'm sure somebody right here can put a pin in it and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me a no on that one because it would have my life would have turned out like a wreck. But when we look at it from an adjective standpoint, he doesn't want you to be dishonorable. He doesn't want something to be harmful for you, poisonous if you would, corrupting or even unpleasant or disagreeable. Uh, also mentions being unfortunate, unfavorable, or catastrophic ultimately. God does not want you to really have a catastrophe happen because he told you yes when he should have said no we as parents would or parents can also understand what i'm saying is you're not going to give a toddler the keys to your car that would be catastrophic now you'll put them in a, a play play car you know one of those little plastic ones and uh, little tights cars that run around or a barbie car you can do that but you're not going to give them the keys to an actual automobile, that's a hard no. He says, but my plans for you are for the future or for an expected end, for a future and a hope. When we talk about a future, that means I want a happy close to your life. 
the dash between your birth and your death, I want that death to be great. I want it to be great. I want you to have done something along the way, a happy close to life. It's something that's likely to happen. It's something that's not right now, but it's going to happen in the future. Something that does not exist is going to exist. It says, I'm looking at something that's upcoming. I'm looking at your destiny. I'm looking forward to your success, your advancement, your improvement. I'm looking forward to that. That's what you should be looking forward to. But it's also with a hope and expectation an optimistic outlook, anticipation. I'm awaiting something. I'm looking for it. I'm envisioning it. Yeah, that does require vision. He says, I've got something grand for you and it is so good. It's going to blow your socks off. See, the condition that he was telling this in was one of hopelessness, but he's saying, I want you to have some hope in the mess, in the middle of it, in all of it. It's just because the condition of seeking though, I'm going to say for this good to come to pass is all about your heart. When we seek God, or when we expect something from him, the condition of seeking God, as well as following or being obedient to his principles, these kingdom principles for life is all about the heart, all about where you stand. So now let me say this. I put together an acronym for the plans, P-L-A-N-S. And I've done it several times before, but this time I couldn't find my notes. So I had to come up with something new just for you. And I wanted to tell you when I looked at it, it says, I'm going to trust in God, my savior, the one who will never fail. I'm going to trust in him because he's got some great plans. Why? He says he has prosperity available for me. I'm going to obtain something prosperous. He, uh, the L, he, I'm going to leave a legacy. That means I want a financial legacy. Oh yeah. If you want to leave a financial legacy, I'm going to co-sign on that. You should. Some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Some are born without a spoon. I want you to leave that silver spoon. You want to leave a legacy of relationship, connection to other people, people who are going to help them, a team that's going to allow them to move forward. You want to leave that. And I'm going to co-sign on that one too. But ultimately you need to leave a spiritual legacy, one where they are going to be resilient. The ones that you leave behind know and trust God and they follow him and follow his principles and his precepts. You want to leave that legacy so that they will be able to handle it when you're gone. But A, you're going to receive advancement. Oh, that means that you're going to receive promotion because um, it doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. He says, I am the one that can lift up and bring down. I can make you mighty and I can bring you up. He said, but it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we have to recognize advancement comes from him. The end says that you will be viewed as notable. Oh, sometimes we want to be quotable. And that's what we see in today's day and age with the social media. I'm going to quote this and quote that person there. And I even say, hey, quote me. Yeah, I want to see the collateral beauty, not just the collateral damage. I recognize that what has left me is not as great as what is left. Yeah, quote me on that. But I'd rather be notable that when I go, I'm honored. When I when I go, you see the beauty of my character. You see what I have done and what I have left behind. That's what you want to be noted for. But he also says you will be successful. 
So there's something about God's plans for us that it is all for our good. It's all going to come to pass, but we'll have something. We're obtaining something. We're going to leave something. We're going to receive something. We're going to be viewed as something, and we are going to actually be that something. He's got great plans, P-L-A-N-S prospering, legacy, advancement, notable and successful. That's what God has for you. So your trust can wait. Hmm. What does trust look like? It's meaning to be confident. When I trust something, I'm confident in it. When I sit in a chair, I don't know the manufacturer, but I'm confident that that manufacturer built that chair that it was going to withstand or withhold my weight. I trust I'm confident in it. I'm unsuspecting. I'm not going to be, oh, you know what? I don't know about that manufacturer. I'm not going to be kind of cynical going, mm, not quite sure they're going to be able to make it. I'm not going to do that to God when I trust. And I'm going to be secure in what he says. In other words, and I'm going to give you these points really quickly. I have to trust God's character. He says he is love and I believe that he is love. He says he's going to be there and he will never fail. I believe that that's what he's going to do because he says that I am that I am. Whatever you need, I am that. Wherever you're going to need me to be now, present, past, present, and in the future, I am that. I am that I am. Fill in the blank. It's a blank check. Believe God's character that what he, who he is, you trust it. He says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life and you're going to dwell in my house. He says, this is who I am. I'm not a liar. I'm not a deceiver. I'm not a manipulator. I'm not an exploiter. I am a lover of your soul. And because of that, you ought to trust me. Mm. And he says, not only my character, but my name. What's in my name? When he said that I am, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am Jehovah, I am your everything, I am the God of all, I am the one true living God. He says, trust me that I can heal you if you call on Jehovah Rapha. Trust me that I am your peace if you call on Jehovah Shalom. I'll bring peace to any chaotic situation. Trust me that I am your banner. I'm Jehovah Tiskanu. Trust me that I am Jehovah Shama, that I will always be there. Trust that I am all the, that you need and more. I am your Jehovah Jireh. Trust that I am your exceeding great reward. Trust Trust in his name, call the right name, call the name that you need and trust in that. Not only his character, not only his name, but trust in his actions. Third one, I've already seen God what you've done for me in the past. I know that I know that I know what you've done in the present in my life. I know that I know that I know. I know what you've done and what you've shown in the word. God, as I read the word and I believe the word and I see those characters, part of me and I, I hope part of you says that I want my life to be written up just like the, the lives of so many others. A woman who with the alabaster box, I want to be known as one who worshiped him. Oh, God. 
I want to be known as one that that proclaimed his word like a, a Peter. I want to be one that can write like a Paul or like an Isaiah. I want to be one that is being noted that someone is going to say, I looked at her life and I saw that this is what she did. Why? Because we're supposed to be living examples, living epistle, epistles read by many. They didn't have to read the word. They had to see your life and your life was an example for them to follow that he set you on a hill. You are the light of the world. You are set on this hill that you cannot be hidden from other people. You have influence. They're looking at you and they're looking at your life. That's what I want to leave a legacy for. I want others to say, I saw her. I knew her. I viewed her appropriately. God showed me her through his eyes and he showed me him through her life. Mm. If only we would wait in our trust in God and wait expectantly that it's going to turn out for our good. He says the weapons may form, but they will not prosper. He says, be anxious for nothing. Why? Because all things, if you pray and you ask me, I'm going to make it come to pass and work out for your good. All right. See, there's some positions of trust and I can go into this, but you know what? I got to end this one today. So I want to end it this way. There's some positions of trust. that says in first Chronicles 9, 22, where do you put God? Is the question. When you look at his character on that trust meter, on ranking it from one to 10, 10 being the highest, is he at a 10? If not, change it. If you look at his name and the names that you call him, now, his character says he can do it because he's already proved it. But if he hasn't done it in your life, that means it needs to go from your head to your heart. It needs to be illuminated in your heart so that you can then walk it out. If it's not at a 10, you need to bring it up. If you look at his actions, his actions are always at a 10. That sometimes you have to wait and you have to wait patiently. But know that it's a 10. His actions always are for your benefit your blessed benefit. And every time you turn around, you will see blessings on blessings on blessings. And sometimes as we say, hindsight is 2020, you got to wait till the, the end comes before you can look back over your life and see how he blessed you. But he did bless you. Know that he's always there in that I'm going to be unsuspecting. I'm not going to question you, God, whether or not you're here because you said that you would never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not going to question you, God, on that. I might ask why or what am I supposed to learn or how this is going to happen. I can ask those questions, but I'm not going to question you. My trust is able to wait. In First Chronicles 5 and 20, the Bible says that he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. And I want to just read a couple of the Psalms that I'm going to encourage you to go through the Psalms as I close today. Um, Psalm 4 and 5 is going to talk about his trust too, but let me go to uh, the ninth Psalm verse 10. And it says, those who know your name trust in you because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Yahweh. And then if I turn over to the 13th Psalm, and we can just go through all of these, the 13th Psalm, verse five, it says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. Oh, he doesn't abandon me and he does deliver me. If I switch over then to the 20th Psalm, 
you know, here we're moving closer. The 20th Psalm, verse 7. The Bible says, some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of Yahweh, our God. Oh, he's not abandoning me. That's his character. He's going to deliver me. That's his character. But I'm trusting in his name, not in somebody else or what other people are doing, but I'm trusting in his name. If I flip over to the 22nd Psalm, verses four and five, it says, our fathers trusted in you. That's past. They love the legacy. They trusted and you rescued them, his actions. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. Thank you, Lord. And then I'm going to jump over to the 28th Psalm, verse 7. 28 verse 7, it says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices and I praise him with my song. See, it's all about a heart matter. If my heart is yielded to him and knows how much he loves and he cares for me and he is affectionate toward me and that I am favored by him and he will give attention to me when I need it. My heart is open to receive from him and willing to wait. Mm. And I'm just going to leave you with the 31st Psalm. Mm. Verse 6. The Bible says, I hate those who are devoted to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will tolerate and I will wait for you to be on your journey to get to that place. This is you trust also in the Lord. Let's bow. Most gracious and heavenly father, God, we trust you. Help us to trust even more. As the father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. We trust, help our vision to see you clearly. God, give us the vision like you said in Habakkuk, write the vision and make it plain. So men, we run with it. We wanna be able to run God with the vision that you have given us. When you say yes, we run toward it. When you say no, we run away. When you say not yet, we will wait. God, we trust in you. We know your plans for us are for good and not for evil. God, you're giving us an expected end. For that, we are most grateful. God, help us to walk it out day in and day out. Help us to be examples for others to see. Help us to have our marching orders in order, but help us to wait until the end shall come. God, we want to trust you even more in the midst of everything you said be anxious for nothing in the midst of everything you told us to cast our cares upon you for you to care for us in the midst of all of it you said that the weapons may prosper but they no the weapons will not prosper the weapons may form but they will not prosper you said that you will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies you said we shall not want. Good is coming. Help us to hold fast, God, until our change comes. Help us to continue to trust in you. You're the one that will never fail. You're the one that will never leave us. You're the one that has always been. When we look back over our life, <laughs> all that you have done, all our life, you have been faithful. All our life, you have been so, so good. 
So every breath that we are able, are going to sing of your goodness. We're going to walk out your word. We're going to lean into your principles. For you, O oh Lord, are the one true and living God, and we trust in you. We come, God, with every high and every low and every in-between. We come saying thank you for loving us, for watching over us, for telling us no, for telling us yes, and for telling us not yet. We lean into that. We are forever grateful for what you've done in the past. We're forever grateful for what you're doing in our lives right now. And God, as we look to our future with an expectancy, standing in tippy-toe anticipation of what you are about to do in our lives, God, we say yes to your will and yes to your way. Yes, every day, we will trust you. <laughs> it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we do pray and give you thanks. Amen. Well, God bless each and every one of you. Again, I'm Dr. Shante Haynes with Heart to Heart Truth Ministries. I believe that true learning is not head to head, but it's heart to heart. I truly care. I want to leave a legacy with you. I want to be an example before you. I want you to pray. I want you to walk out God's word. I want you to live every day knowing that the principles of the kingdom are going to allow you to be successful in life because they are the principles for life. Have an absolutely fantastic rest of your week and God bless. You can find us online at shantahaynes.com. That's C-H-O-N-T-A-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com. We are a division of Heart to Heart Truth Ministries and Heart to Heart Truth Foundation. Donations are welcome at shantahaynes.com backslash foundation. At Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, we're helping believers live an abundant life based on God's word, standing on his promises, walking out his principles, sharing with God's people, serving as unto the Lord.